Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, today I'm going to continue on in the theme of spiritual alignment, where Jesus made... In fact, he made seven statements where he used the word first and what's recorded in the messages and the sermons that he brought to his disciples. We've talked about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the promise that God gives to us that we don't have to be distracted if we focus on keeping him first, then all these things will be added to us, the things that so often distract us. And so Jesus made the promise that if we prioritize and we keep our focus and we keep him first, he's going to take care of all those things in our life. We, we've, we've talk, in that we talked about replacing worry with simple trust and faith in God. And that worry is wasted time and wasted breath over our lives because it can't change anything. You've got enough concerns of today, let alone worrying about tomorrow, Jesus said. Worry won't change one cubit to your stature, he was saying. It's not going to do anything except cause you ulcers. So let's refocus. Let's replace worry with simple trust and faith in Jesus Christ today. Last week we talked about another first that Jesus made. He said, first be reconciled to your brother, your sister, when you come to worship and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, hey, this person has an issue with you. Before you bring your worship, I want you to go and sort it out. Powerful statement. Talking about our horizontal relationships. Sometimes we're so focused on the vertical, we're so focused on our relationship with God, we we forget and we misunderstand that our horizontal relationships have a powerful effect and in fact have the ability to block your relationship with Jesus if you don't get the horizontal sorted out. How many of you know that? You know, husbands and wives, how many of you have slept on the edge of the bed back to back? Because you never got it sorted out. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Amen. Sort it out before the sun goes down. We all know what it's like to be out of sorts with one another and how it affects your worship, how it affects your personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus highlighted it. He said, if you don't forgive others, then don't expect God to forgive you. He's extended you great forgiveness and he expects you to release forgiveness. Challenging, aren't they, those words? especially when we've been the victim of horrible things within our life. He doesn't necessarily say you have to be pals and buddies and friends with everybody that's offended you, but he says you do need to forgive them. And today I want to talk about another first that Jesus made. First, you must bind the strong man if you are expecting to reclaim stolen goods that have been taken from you. First, Bind the strong man. So we're going to get into this today. And maybe there's something specific in here for you. Maybe there's something that has been stolen out of your life. And today you must understand that the devil's not just going to lie down and let you walk in and take back what he's taken from you. And Jesus has some keys for us today to recover all. 
to recover all that's been taken from you in the name of Jesus. John 10.10, Jesus said these famous words, the thief only comes to steal, to kill and to destroy from our lives. That's his only agenda. He doesn't want to cozy up to you. He doesn't want to be pally-wally with you. He might be deceptive in nature by coming near to you like an angel of light. But in the reality is he's only come to rob from your life. He's only come to bring havoc into your world. Jesus said, but I... I love the buts, the B-U-T's of Jesus' words. But I have come that you might have life and live it with all an abundance. An overflowing, overwhelming, reckless love of God coming into your life. You know, people say, I can't say that God is reckless. Do you know what that means in that context? Why should God ever trust us with his love? He has been reckless. We don't have a very good track record. Do you hand your car over to your 12-year-old child? No, that would be reckless. And like, God has given us the gospel. How reckless of him. Praise God. You know why he does it? Because that's the extent of his love towards us. Grace, he extends it to us over and over and over again. Shortly after parking the car in the front of the office, a well-dressed businessman backed into Mr. Bailey's car causing no more than a very small scratch on his bumper. Mr. Bailey told the man, just forget about it, don't worry about it, but the businessman instead insisted on making compensation. He asked for Mr. Bailey's address and he promised to send him two tickets to a play. Two weeks later, sure enough, the tickets arrived, designating specific seating for a specific date. Along with the tickets came a box of candy and a gift certificate for a dinner at a plush restaurant near the Performing Arts Centre. Wow, I wish you'd scratched my bumper. An entire night's entertainment was being provided in exchange for a mere scuff on Mr. Bailey's car. Him and his wife were thrilled. So the night went out. It was glorious. It was all that it promised to be. That is, until Mr. and Mrs. Bailey returned home. As they pulled down the driveway, something felt eerie. Then when they opened the door to the house, both husband and wife began to sob. They had been duped, unsuspecting victims of a slick thief who had planned their evening so he might bring the furniture-moving truck and fully packed everything that was in their house, packed it into the truck, and had disappeared into the night without a trace. This poor couple had been completely taken advantage of because they did not understand the schemes of their enemy. Pretty slick, eh? But it's no more slick than what the devil often does in your life and my life. He's more cunning than any beast of the field, the scripture says. He's been doing it for a long time, and so he's very, very good at it. And Jesus' purpose and intent, as we're going to find out in a minute, is to arm you and me so that we don't become unsuspecting victims of foul play from the devil, but we understand his wiles and his schemes and his plans to try and rob you of the God-given inheritance and the equipment that Jesus has given to you for you to make a difference in your world today. 
We can all relate in some way. I'm sure that most of us here have been ripped off. If not by a thief, you've been ripped off emotionally. You've been ripped off in your relationships. The devil has come and taken something from your life which has left you not in such a good place as you were prior to his activities around about your life. He comes to steal. You used to have it, but it's gone. You don't have it anymore because it's been taken from you. He comes to kill. Maybe there was something alive and flourishing within your life and it's no longer there. It's as dead as dead can be. He comes to destroy. He comes to take something that perhaps was very powerful in your life and now you feel that it's been completely dismantled and destroyed. Is anybody with me here this morning? A stronger one, a stronger one than you and I has come and taken something from us. You need to understand today, without Christ, the devil, you are no match for the devil. Without Christ in your life, you've got to understand the power of the, the devil and this created fallen angel has power to whip you and me when we're not walking or living right with Jesus Christ. But with Christ, we're going to discover today that you possess the awesome power of the full authority of heaven in which you can now exercise spiritual authority and begin to take back that which has been taken from you. You see, a lot of Christians don't understand this. A lot of Christians don't understand this. <laughs> you don't understand. If they had gone on any longer, I could have done a nice little dance for you. That was awesome. Uh, we don't understand that, you know, the greatest leader of the New Testament church, the Apostle Paul, this is what he, he made it very, very clear that you and I as believers can be deceived to the point that the devil can actually use you as a pawn in his hand. Did you know that? That a Christian can be ensnared and entrapped and be used to carry out the will of Satan. What? This is sacrilegious, Pastor James. Look at my verse, 2 Timothy 2 verse 26. That they may come to their senses. Who? The following people. And escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Hello. This verse makes it clear that anyone is actually able to become a victim of the devil where the devil can ensnare and entrap your life and then can use you as a pawn on his chessboard. Maybe we don't even realize it that somehow covertly he's managed to have us cooperating and working with him. Did you know every time you revert to manipulation, where you're coercing through ungodly means and manipulating another person's life, that you are being used as a pawn in the enemy's hand? Or what about controlling people? Controlling them through your thunderous moods and emotions. Did you know that's not godly? And so we have the ability to be used as a pawn to control people's emotions. Oh, here he comes. He's looking as dark as thunder. Everybody scatter. Clear the room. Some of you know what I'm talking about today. 
maybe using violent means in order to bring people's lives into submission to your will. You've been used as a pawn of the enemy. Illegitimate sexual connections. Did you know that the only legitimate sexual connection that is right in, the, in, in, the, in your life is between a man and his wife? Between a wife and her husband, every other sexual connection is illegitimate and unlawful according to the Scripture. So you see, if we just take a little moment to think, we begin to understand it's actually a little bit easier than perhaps what we thought to be used as a pawn in the enemy's hands. So this is why we're coming to this topic today, to understand it's time for us. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I'm hoping that these people are going to come to their senses. I'm hoping that these people are going to have an understanding of what's going on in their life, that somehow the enemy has managed to ensnare them, to entrap them, and he's using them as a pawn on his chessboard. Wow. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament. When David was a fugitive, and he was on the run from King Saul, King Saul had an agenda. The devil had gotten a hold of the king of Israel. Come on, if he can get a hold of a king's heart, he can get a hold of your heart today. He used the heart of the one that he appointed and put in place as the highest authority in the nation of Israel. And now that man was being used by Satan to hunt young David down like a fugitive. So David's on the run and he's hiding from fortress to fortress, from place to place in the desert. And I've seen pictures and I understand on geographically where David had to hide. It was rugged territory. There wasn't any glory cafe that he could sit down and have a latte and a flat white with his friends. He was hiding in caves. He was hiding in places where there was no water. He was on the run. And David and his fighting men had left their fortress at a place called Ziglag. And they'd gone to make a, an, a, a, an alliance with the Philistines. But the Philistines said, hey, isn't this a Hebrew? You guys want to have a Hebrew fighting with us against the Hebrews? Come on, we're not that naive. I'm sorry, David, you and your men are not welcome. While David's been away, another one of his enemies, the Amalekites, have snuck in behind and they've taken all of, his, all of the women. They've removed all of the children. They've kidnapped every single one of them and they took all their possessions and they burnt the place with fire. David returns. They see the smoke don't understand what it is from the devastation. They arrive and all of a sudden, every single man is weeping and in tears because their whole families have been taken and kidnapped and removed. All of their possessions have gone and they turned on their leader and they wanted to kill David. And David's in a tricky spot. You put yourself in his shoes right now. He's got the anger of guys who are very good with swords and spears. They're the mighty warriors of David. These guys aren't wimps, they're warriors. And they're all turning against him. He needed to get some answers from God now. Just like you and I need to get answers when we begin to recognise that things aren't the way that they should be, that the enemy has come into our camp and he's stolen from us and it's time for us to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. David puts on the ephod. 
He comes before the Father as a priest and He says, God, shall I go up against my enemies? And God says, go up. I'm going to give you the authority and the power to recover all. David, you shall recover all. Everything that's been taken from you, I'm going to give it back. So we come to the passage where Jesus talks about first binding the strong man. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? They were saying, could this be the Messiah? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Verse 27. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Verse 28. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first... Binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me, and who who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Well, Father, open these words to us this morning. Let's just look at this passage and a few things in the passage. First of all, we recognize that a man's life had been limited by demonic power. How? He was physically blinded and he was mute, which means that he was able, not able to see or speak. And the scripture makes it clear that demon spirits had, were the culprits of this sickness. So once the demon spirits were cast out, the man was healed, he was able to see and he was able to speak. I want to tell you right now, there's spirits like this at work in the body of Christ that are trying to blind the body of Christ from seeing the true revelations of Jesus and also trying to stop the church from speaking the truth. The devil wants to close our mouth when it comes to the truth, but Jesus Christ wants to anoint us, wants to cause us to be able to see. He wants us to be able to break the power of those forces at work within our lives so that we can see spiritual revelation and so we can speak the words of Jesus. Amen. And so there's another couple of things here. He labels the strong man and which is obviously related to, directly to Satan. And he says, if one stronger than you comes along. And so Jesus is clearly making a delineation here and saying that the devil is out to devastate humanity and he's pointing and accurately assessing the situation. Whereas the Pharisees are accusing him of using demonic power to help a person. And he's saying, no, that's what you guys have been reverting to. But he says, I'm coming. And if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demon power, you'll know that this is a sign of the kingdom coming. And I want to tell you, deliverance ministry today is more valid than ever before. Sometimes when you get so depressed, 
when you can't open your mouth to pray, and I'm speaking to somebody today, sometimes you feel so weighed down, sometimes you feel so burdened, that it's like just to even pray, just to even get down on your knees is such a mission. You want to know why? Because there's a spirit of depression that has attacked your mind and attacked your life, and God wants you first to bind that spirit of depression. First bind the strong man, then come in and spoil his goods, and suddenly you can pray. Suddenly you can seek God, because that demonic power has been bound off your life and you can now get the breakthrough that you need. Can I hear an amen this morning? Secondly, we can, do, we can understand from this passage that somebody who's called the strong man has got stolen goods in his house that belong to you. And those stolen goods, stolen goods, who do they belong to? They belong to the original owner. They don't belong to the one who's taken them illegitimately. And it's time for you and I to take back what the devil has stolen from us. And so Jesus says, you can take it back, but I want to tell you, you can't just rock up and expect to walk in and waltz in and be able to take them back unless you first bind the spiritual powers that have been at work within your life that have caused this event to happen, where God will give you discernment, He will give you understanding, and then you can bind the strong man and suddenly you can have back what the devil has stolen from you. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus was making it clear today that every single follower of Jesus Christ has the spiritual authority and power to come and bind the strong man and deal to the enemy when he has been invading your world and your life. You know, even in, in domestic law in New Zealand, if somebody breaks into my house, I can use reasonable force to deal with that invader. God wants you to use reasonable spiritual force to deal with the spiritual invaders that have tried to come in and harass you and steal from you. So I want to say right at the outset of this message today, Without understanding your spiritual authority in Jesus Christ, you will end up experiencing more defeats than victories. Without understanding your spiritual authority in Christ, you will end up experiencing more defeats than victories. So today, maybe, maybe through that prophetic word today, the Lord is wanting to build a fresh foundation in your life to give you eyes to see, to give you lips to speak to first bind the strong man so that you can begin to see what the enemy has been doing in your life and to begin to take it back, to begin to see the God of restoration. We all know the story of Job who was stripped from being the wealthiest man in the East and everything was taken from him, including his children, all of his possessions. But we read the end of the story and we see what an incredible restoration God brought within his life. Job stood his ground. He went through a very rocky period within his life. But at the end, the Bible says, the end was greater than his beginning. 
God restored to him more than what was taken from him. And I want you to get a vision of restoration for your life. I want you to get a vision of what is possible in your life. Yes, you might have been kicked around by the devil. Yes, you might have had stuff stolen from you. But as you come to understand your spiritual authority in Jesus Christ, it's time for you and I to recover all. It's time to take back what the devil has stolen from you. It's time to walk into the enemy's camp and begin to bind that strong man and take back what the enemy has taken from you. You see, friends, we don't just rock up and say, please, Mr. Devil, can you please give back what you've taken from me? (sighs) When you want to take back something the devil has stolen from you, you need to turn up with your badge of authority. You need to turn up in your blue uniform. You need to turn up armed with your taser. You need, you need to turn up and understand that you have spiritual authority over the enemy and he needs to understand who's the boss. Come on. Who's the boss? Has he been deceiving you and lying to you? Saying, oh, other Christians say, Pastor James, he's got that type of authority, but I don't. Lies. Every single follower of Jesus Christ has the same authority that I have to go and deal to the devil. But you need to turn up dressed appropriately with the right spiritual clothing on in order to deal with the devil. So in this message, and the next time I preach, I'm going to talk about some areas that God wants to recover from your life. And I'm going to get very, very specific because over 30 years of pastoring, friends, I have seen the devil rob people in so many different ways. And as a church that's moving forward, we're going to take back that which has kept us on the back foot. And it's time to get on the front foot. And it's time to advance the kingdom of God. You know, this is what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, but the violent shall take it by force. You are allowed to be violent legitimately in one area. And that's when you're dealing to the devil. You can take it by force in the name of Jesus. Can I have an amen this morning in this quiet first church of the Frigidaire. Praise God. The first key to understanding your authority is to understand where it comes from. It comes from Jesus' victory over demonic power and over Satan. You don't have any authority apart from what Jesus has possessed on your behalf. So to have that authority, you need to stay connected to the vine. You are a branch. He is the vine. Staying connected to the vine, let the sap of his authority flow into your life. You see, Jesus defeated the devil in three areas through his ministry, Straight after he was water baptized and the Holy Spirit's power came upon him, straight away the Bible says, and the Spirit led him into the desert. Can you imagine what it's like? Right up until the age of 30 years old of always having meals prepared for you, always having a roof over your head, and you are sent out into one of the most lethal places on the planet, into a place where there isn't any food, and you are to fast for 40 days. And not only are you to fast and go without food, how many know it's really hard not to get grumpy when you're fasting? Or is that just, am I the only one here this today? It can be very, 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 very challenging and difficult. So Jesus starts a 40-day fast, but at the same time as he starts, the devil comes to him in person. Most of us never get a personal visit from the devil. 
because He's a hierarchical angel. And just like the angels have a hierarchy where there's archangels and lower angels, the devil was a, is a fallen archangel and he has an authority system where he sends out punk demons to do his work. And then he sends out ones that have a, a greater authority, principalities and powers who rule over certain areas and regions. So very rarely will the devil ever come to your door personally. But he came to Jesus' door in the desert. He visited Jesus personally. And he says to him, if you're the son of God, I know you're hungry. Turn these stones that are in the desert to bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Victory, round one, to Jesus. Hallelujah. Round two, the devil comes back. If you're the son of God, he puts him on the height of the temple and he says, throw yourself down because it's written that the angels of God will give charge and they'll protect the Messiah. If you're truly the Messiah, show me, show me, show off your power. Jesus deflects that, defeats the devil on that round two, victory. Last round, he takes him up, shows him all the kingdoms of the world that belong to him. And he says, if you will do one thing, I'll give you everything that you can see. What's that, Satan? If you will bow down and worship me, then I'll give you everything. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Jesus replies, round three, ding dong, count out. Jesus defeats the devil soundly and three rounds in the middle of that. And this is what it says at the end of that time, then the devil left him. Why did he leave him? He left him because he couldn't break through. He left him because he couldn't. He had nothing on the Son of God. He left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So, three areas that the devil has, uh, that Jesus has gained victory. Number one, he gained it while he was walking planet Earth through his life and ministry. Secondly, he gained it at the cross where he was nailed for your sins and my sins. The Bible says that a momentous thing took place at that point in time. Colossians two verse fifteen, having disarmed. You know what happens if somebody comes at you with a gun and a police officer steps in and he disarms that person that's trying to kill you? That means that he renders him powerless, takes the gun, takes it off him, and he's no longer a threat. Well, Jesus disarmed the devil. And any work that he's doing actively today is through deceptive power, getting you to believe that He's more powerful than you. He works by deception now. And if He can get you to believe that He's more powerful than you as a son or a daughter of Christ, then He will utilize all He can against you. Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle over them, triumphing them over them in it. This is military language, friends. This is military language. This is the language of the Roman Empire that Paul is using here because this is what they would do. Once they defeated and disarmed a nation, this is what they would do. They would take back any of the leaders or the kings from that nation and any of their warriors that had surrendered and they would bring them back to Rome. And then they would have a public parade. And this is what they would do. They would publicly parade in their rags, former kings and great warriors who were chained and defeated and disarmed. And they would parade them through the streets of Rome, making a public spectacle of them, saying, "This, these are our enemies and they have been defeated. And that's what Jesus did at the cross. Oh. 
Not only at his death, but in his resurrection and his ascension. He defeated the devil. Look at this, Revelation 1. And when I saw him, this is John, the apostle, saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me and he said, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. I want to tell you, friends, when Jesus Christ died, it wasn't a death of defeat. It was a death of victory because while Jesus died, while his physical body and life died, his spirit went down to hell and he took the keys of the one who up and until that point in time had the right over death and hell. His name was Satan the devil. And this scripture tells me that when Jesus died, he went down into the bowels of hell and he took those keys of death and hell back and he rose again from the dead, victorious over every demon, over every devil, over every principality, over Satan himself. He took it back in the name of Jesus. So Jesus' victory is your victory today. I want you to get that into your spirit today. You have the victory by virtue of your connection and association with Jesus Christ. What He has, you have. Secondly today, as citizens of the kingdom of God, you have been given positional spiritual authority. You've ever heard the statement, you've been seated with Christ in heavenly places? Well, in the book of Ephesians, it gives a progression of sit, walk, and stand. Sit, I'm seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Because I have his spiritual authority, I can now get off my seat and I can walk with the full authority and power of Jesus Christ. And I can walk worthy. I can live a worthy life of Jesus. It's not by my strength, but it's by his grace and his power and his ability and his victory over the devil. Now I can walk worthy and walk in victory. I'm seated with Christ. Positionally, I have authority over the devil. Now I can walk. And then finally in Ephesians 6, it says, having done all to stand. Stand against every wile of the devil. Put on the full armour of God. He says, you can stand up against the devil and you can win. You can win the battle. Hallelujah. Sit, walk and stand in the position and authority that you have. You see, even though you're here seated in church today, the Bible tells me that you're spiritually you're seated in, with Christ in heavenly places. Did you know that he sits in the highest place? There's no other higher authority than Jesus at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. That is the highest position in the universe. You know what? You're seated there with him today. By virtue of his victory at Calvary, you are seated with Jesus. Finally today, not only do you have position authority, but you have delegated authority. If I say to Sue, which I regularly do, Sue, I want you to do this for me, and I want you to do that for me, and because she's such an obedient servant, when I, when I delegate for her and I ask her to do something, and I say to her, Sue, you have my full authority to go ahead and do this. And she goes, yay, I can play with this new toy or I can do this because Pastor James said I can. And in the same way, Jesus has delegated.
delegated to you and me all of the authority that's been invested in him by the Father. You now have it by virtue of delegated authority. Here is your authority. Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow those who believe. What is this crazy guy? Stopping that, 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 that high revving Nissan note. Probably, you know, probably revving it, you know, at 8,000 RPM. Busting the end, there's flames coming out of his exhaust and he sees a man limping down the road. Why does he pull over and stop his car at high speed? <laughs> that Nissan Note. Do you guys know what a Nissan Note looks like? It is not capable of any speed. Praise God. So he pulls over. He pulls over. Can you imagine him? He's jumping out of the car and he's ambushing a man who can't walk properly. This man's thinking, who is this man? What's his name? Jason? Jason Momoa. That's Jason Momoa. Yeah, Aquaman. Aquaman's jumped out of the car. <laughs> Why is he doing such a ridiculous thing? Because as he's driving... Down the road, he's saying, thank you, Jesus. You've given me all power and authority. You've given me the authority to trample on the heads of serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You've given me the authority to go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Therefore, I'm going to stop my car and I'm going to risk looking extremely ridiculous. And I'm going to go up to a person I've never met. I never know. He doesn't know me. Praise God. He doesn't know me. And I'm going to go and I'm going to pray for him to be healed. Do you know why Arwen could do that yesterday? This is the reason why he could do it, because God has delegated all of heaven's authority to him to go and do that work. And not only to him, but to all of us today. Whew. It's time, friends, to first bind the strong man and recover all in your life. Do those stolen goods belong to that thief? No, they don't. They belong to you, and it's time to take them back. It's time to go into the enemy's camp today to exercise some spiritual authority. And we're going to stand to our feet in just a moment. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to begin to pray while we're here gathered corporately together. Maybe you've never done this sort of prayer before. But I want you today to ask the Holy Spirit to show you what it is that you need to recover. What is it that you need to take back that the enemy has stolen from you? Has he stolen your confidence? Do you find yourself withdrawing from society instead of being a part of the solution that Jesus said you would? Do you find yourself going into a cave? Do you find yourself withdrawing from the commands and the delegated authority that Jesus has given to you? Or are you like Arwen? Well, you know what Jesus said, and you're going to take that, and you're going to go, and you're going to get it, because you know that Jesus has given it to you. What will it be today? You know, I know some of your circumstances... And I know right now, stolen goods need to be returned back to their rightful owner. Are you with us this morning, church? Do you understand the vital importance of this message for your life today? The Bible says, David went. And you know what happened? He chased down the Amalekites. 
with 400 angry men. I can imagine they just want to be unleashed upon those that have taken their personal possessions. And not only that, the very, the most precious people out of their life, their children and their wives. Maybe some of you have had children that the devil has come and he's aligned himself with their minds and their hearts and they are now no longer walking with Christ. I want to tell you today, Jesus wants you to recover them out of the snare of the enemy today. He wants you to bring them back through prayer, through fasting, through using your spiritual authority to see them in the house of God with hands raised, worshipping the Lord. We can't get enough of the Word of God because the Spirit of God has touched them. Can we stand to our feet, church?